Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nutritionist, Michaela Shifley, the founder of KJ Wellness. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things nutrition and wellness. We'll cut through the bullshit information out there, debunk health myths, interview health experts, and give you actionable steps to help you become the best version of yourself. So go grab yourself a nice hot cup of coffee and strap in to hear the cold hard truths about health. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today we are doing part two. I am with Claire, um, again, dietitian. And the last episode that we did, we broke down a lot of like health myths, health facts, health information that you all wanted us to talk about. And the response from it was incredible. And we didn't quite get through all the questions, but I also put up a new um question box for people to send through on my Instagram. So we're back doing part two, which is so exciting. So welcome, Claire. Thank you for having me again. It's so exciting. So I reckon like today, let's just get straight into it because we actually do have quite a few questions to get through and some of them are really, really interesting as well. Like you all have sent through some great questions. So the first one is all about dairy. So there was two ones that came through in this, is dairy unhealthy? And also does dairy cause acne? And I fully understand where this one has come from and I think it's like it's been floating around for a while and I know before I even started studying anything to do with nutrition like I definitely got swept up in that little vortex of gluten's bad dairy's bad you know cut out x y and z because there's so many people on social media that were eating in that way and I was like okay well if they're doing it and I believe that they're healthy like maybe it's right maybe dairy and gluten are bad for me but anyway now studying about it like there are so many benefits to dairy in particular you know it's great for digestive health bone health dental health all of that um what's your opinion on dairy as well um I think it's really interesting you mentioned that you got caught up in it because I did as well in Mm. early years of nutrition and I think it was the time a documentary came out on Netflix um I've forgotten the name of it but there was a documentary that kind of demonized dairy Mm. um but overall, it's one of our main um, food groups. So dairy, lots of calcium, like you said, bone health, um, especially for women's health as well, um, gut health, things like that. And I think yeah. it's such a core food group that um, it's getting better now with alternatives like soy milk and um, mm. kind of things that have the equivalent nutritional panel as dairy, but it is such a staple food. Um, and it's really important not to completely eliminate it from our diets as well, because we are going to miss out on those um, key nutrients and vitamins that we get from it. Um, so overall, no, it's not healthy. Um, it's not unhealthy. Yeah. It's definitely healthy. Yeah. Um, and then does it cause acne? So, mm. so much um, talk about this, so much noise on the internet as well and misinformation. I think it's really easy to kind of, associate dairy with acne very quickly people like to Mm -hmm. do that when it's not really true so um in terms of evidence they can't specifically point out if dairy does cause acne um because there are so many factors that Mm -hmm. causes acne so we're talking about um excess oil production on your skin if your um hair follicles are blocked if what your hormones are doing if it's your time of the month you're going to get more um acne how your stress levels are what environment you're in um what type of medications you're on so there's so many factors you can't just pinpoint oh it's just definitely dairy so in the research that they've done um they can't actually establish what the quantity of milk is necessary to cause acne 
which basically means they can't really decide um, if you have to drink two liters of milk to get acne, things like that, because there's yeah. just too many factors. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, sorry. You go. I was going to say, I know like something popped up the other day and it's actually popped up a couple of times. It was this diagram. It was on some form of social media that it highlighted like different areas of the face. And it was like, you know, if you're eating dairy, you'll get acne like on your chin. And if you're eating gluten, you'll get acne like in the T-bone section. And I was like, oh my God, no. Like can, if you imagine how many people eat these foods and how many people, you know, and obviously everybody's different. Yeah. But you know, we don't all experience like that food linked to specifically that area of acne. Like it would, we just don't have the research to be able to highlight and tell that. Exactly. And just for example, if I went off that, I get acne around where I wear my mask because I talk and then the oil rubs and I get some on my nose, wherever my mask touches, I get acne and I couldn't, relate that to anything else but my mask but so that's so silly and so sad to hear that Mm. um but from a general diet perspective there is some um research that um diets in general that include high glycemic index foods which is a lot of um sugars including added sugars um and lots of saturated fats especially trans fats are Mm. linked to more acne so rather than associating dairy to acne, look at your whole diet before, um, and also your lifestyle factors before um, trying to eliminate core food groups as we spoke about straight away. Yeah, I think that's such an important uh, point. Really look at everything as a whole, rather than thinking that it's from one specific thing. And you might break it down and there might be something that is having an impact on it for you personally, but yeah definitely looking at a whole and narrowing down is really important. The next question was, is it better to train fasted or fueled and what benefits do you get from each? Yes. So I always recommend training fueled. So um, if you're looking to improve your performance, always trained fueled in terms of a, um, I know lots of people talk about like fasted with weight loss. There's no, Um, evidence that suggests that Mm -hmm. that will help to burn more calories or not Mm -hmm. when you look at it from a perspective of performance if you're having even just a banana or a fruit juice before training you can actually improve your performance you can train harder for longer um, which will burn more calories in the long run as well which is probably better than not eating before training anyway so um, performance wise definitely trained fueled Um, The only reason why I would recommend training fasted would be for um, an elite athlete that's looking for the metabolic adaptation. So training low or low carbohydrate availability for more of the ultra endurance events where they're looking to kind of improve their um, efficiency of burning carbs and burning fat. That's the only reason why I would recommend training fueled, Mm. um, training fasted. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And I had an interesting conversation, two different ones recently. One was exactly around like the weight loss side of it. And there is, and there has been, you know, articles put out there before, which aren't scientifically backed that, you know, if you train fasted, you will get better weight loss results. And it's just not possible because at the end of the day, like the way that your body actually loses weight is, is if you are in that calorie deficit, which is eating less than what you are burning during the day. Um, and the other one was taught around a lot of my clients recently, I have been getting them to start to try and 
eat, even if it's something small like a piece of toast with, you know, some honey or peanut butter or a banana or something like that before they start to train. And the difference that they have been finding in their running, in their weight sessions and all of that is just incredible because you're right, like you have that extra energy to push that little bit harder when you are working out, which is a really great feeling to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes such a big difference, especially um, before a run or somewhere where you're going to be using carbs as an energy source um it's so important Mm -hmm. absolutely so talking about i guess like working out and all of that the next question was all about bcaa's which is your branch chain amino acids somebody asked what are bcaa's and do i need to be taking them and so your branch chain amino acids like they are a group of your three essential amino acids um they cannot be they're synthesized in the body or by the body. So we do actually have to obtain them by a dietary source. When it comes to whether, you know, you get them from food or you get them from a powder, what is your opinion on that? Um, I think BCAAs get a lot of credit uh, more than it they should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, especially supplements. So yeah. um, as, it, as you said, perfect um, explanation, the three essential um, amino acids, Specifically, leucine is uh-huh. in uh, one of the three, and that's a main stimulant for muscle protein synthesis. So basically, yeah. without leucine, you're not going to have the muscle gain as you usually would without eating leucine. Um, I would say from a food-first perspective, you can get these three essential branched-chain amino acids easily from high-quality protein sources. So if you're having high-quality protein sources like meats, dairy products, soy products, eggs, um, you don't need to take BCAAs. And that's probably relevant for most people Mm. because you're always going to have some kind of high-quality protein source, which includes these three essential BCAAs anyway. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I think that's so important that, you know, like, you know, food first, and then if you have to supplement with it, then do that if necessary but they are I actually don't know how much they are but it is money that you can save if you are too much (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly even if you need to um if you're comparing like BCAAs with protein powder Mm. protein powder um should um you should be choosing protein powder that has at least leucine in it and most of them do by now um but most protein powders include these so if you can't get your protein um, enough protein from food anyway then the next resource is protein powder um, and then that would have your BCAAs generally anyway yeah perfect easy so the next question is how much fat should I be eating um this is a tricky one but generally mm. um your fat in daily intake should be 20 to 35 percent of your mm-hmm. um daily energy intake so that's from the Australian um the Australian dietary guidelines so um yeah just 20 to 35 percent um it's a bit complicated when you go to trying to calculate it because um and I'm going to confuse a lot of you but one gram (laughs) of fat equals seven calories or around seven calories so um if you work out if you're having 2,000 calories a day work out 20 to 35 percent of that then divide that by seven and then that's how many calories you should be eating of fat but whatever fat you do eat make sure it majority of it comes mm. from unsaturated sources yeah. um which is mostly from well, all plant-based fat sources yeah absolutely and i think 
it is really easy let's say somebody was starting on a diet or a weight loss diet specifically i do notice a lot of the time i think maybe we touched on this in the last episode that we did as well fats typically go first in mm -hmm. the sense that you know they cut them out quite quickly because they are higher in calories but fats are so important especially unsaturated fats in your diet especially um, as women it's really really important to make sure that you are including all of those unsaturated fats you know even if it's from like your olive oil in your cooking or adding avocado to your salads or your toast or you know it's such simple ways to get that extra fat in but make sure you have it every day absolutely and just on top of that if you don't have any fat in your diet there are vitamins that are fat soluble so only yeah. soluble with fat um, you would be deficient in those vitamins very quickly as well. So um, everything you said plus um, preventing those fat-soluble vitamin deficiencies as well. Yeah, great point. The next question is, why has my weight loss plateaued? This question, obviously, it's weight loss is a very individualised journey, so we can't really give out any individualised advice or specific advice to this person, but... There are so many different reasons as to why weight loss can plateau, like so many factors that come into play in that. Um, you know, a, one reason could even be if you have been eating at too low, or like of a calorie deficit or like, you know, let's say you do eat really low throughout the week and then maybe on the weekends you overeat. So you're not actually in a deficit at, uh, across the total um, of the week that can impact weight loss. Um, you maybe, you know, there's things that could be play like stress or you maybe need to look at your training or uh, your energy out, energy expenditure, or energy, energy output is what I'm trying to say. How about you, like opinions on why weight loss can plateau? I feel like we could just fire away <laughs> factors all day. Um, yeah. But yeah, so many factors like that. It could be some small factors that you haven't even thought about. Mm. Um, even if you're eating at the same calories as you did a month ago, but you're walking less at work, you uh -huh. cut down a gym session a week. Um, you have been getting, you've been doing this weight loss journey for a while and you've been getting slack with the amount of oil you're using when you're cooking, things mm. like that. Um, the most common one I see with people trying to lose weight um, by themselves without like a health professional or anything is if you're eating the same amount of calories as you were when you first started and say you've lost 10 kilos and you're still eating at that amount of calories, you're probably at a maintenance now. Mm -hmm. So your estimated energy um, intake is calculated based on your weight. So you should be, um, if you're losing a lot of weight, you should be constantly um, reformulating and seeing um, how much you should be eating a day. Yeah. Stay in that deficit. 100%. And the, the other one on that is if you are eating in a deficit that's really, really low. So let's say, you know, you've dropped down to like 1,200 calories or 800 calories or something like that, your metabolism will end up adapting to that amount so and like it's pretty hard to go less than that and i would not like i wouldn't even recommend eating at that low let alone eating less than that so if that's the case really what you actually like you probably need to end up doing a reverse diet where you get your metabolism firing back up at a number that where you can actually adequately fuel your body um before going back into a weight loss focus yeah, definitely. I think it's really important to know that weight loss and eating in a calorie deficit is not a lifestyle. It's no. just 
are phased. So you shouldn't be able to hold that calorie deficit for a long period of time. Otherwise, um, what you were explaining, the metabolic adaptations start to happen mm -hmm. and um, your metabolism will adapt and things like that. So yeah, it's really important to give yourself a break sometimes if yeah. um, you've been doing it for a while, as in months and months and months. Exactly. And from mentally as well, like it's important to yeah. give yourself mentally a break from being in deficit and dieting and always thinking about what to eat, what not to eat, like all of that as well. Give yourself yeah, that mental break. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The next question is how much do I need to eat to lose weight? Again, weight loss, like very individualized. Everyone needs to have a different amount. But at the end of the day, like weight loss does come, and we said this before, like you have to be in a calorie deficit, which means that you are consuming less energy than what you are burning day to day. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of calorie calculators online that yeah. estimate your energy intake. So have a look at those. You'll have to put in your height, weight, age, mm. um, and it just gives you a general um formula for how many calories you should be eating um, for a healthy um, sustainable deficit um, try to go around 500 calories in a deficit so take that away from what your um, energy intake should be yeah and these calculators like they take into consideration your bmr so your basal metabolic rate which is how many calories you burn on a day to day if you were like in a coma like that's just how many your body burns and then also takes into account your total daily energy expenditure which is like every little movement that you do throughout the day so it could be like if you're somebody who talks a lot with your hands like me like you're burning energy while you're doing that walking to the bin whether you have a job where you're sitting all day or you're on your feet all day how much exercise do you do like there's so many factors that you have to take into consideration when you work out your total daily energy expenditure or your overall like calorie intake and I always find it's a lot more than what people um, actually think it is yes I agree perfect the next question is why does creatine make you gain weight yeah so creatine is a supplement we take to basically boost the amount of creatine we store in our muscles, which helps us um, do repeated um, exercise bouts. So when you are putting, supplementing creatine to store in your muscles, you're naturally gonna have more storage in your muscles, but it also drags in water as well. Mm. So you don't gain fat, it's water. So um, because you are storing more energy and water, you're naturally gonna gain weight. Mm -hmm. um, there's two ways to kind of take creatine um, and there's a slow loading or there's a fast loading. Um, you're going to have greater weight gain when you do it very quickly. So taking like 20 grams of creatine a day compared to five grams. So when you do, um, when you take creatine slowly over time, then you won't have much of a weight gain compared to if you do it um, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear a lot of people, you know, talk about, when they've started taking creatine they feel bloated and that is exactly that like the water the fluid and water retention from it yeah yeah for sure the next question is what are the health benefits of chia seeds and it's funny because we we're having a little talk about this before we started um recording about uh, and some of you might have also seen it but all over tiktok at the moment there's this thing going around called the internal shower which is where people like mix the chia seeds in with water and in about like they say 30 minutes to an hour they're just going to the bathroom and everything is coming back out so very very topical question um but yeah what are the health benefits of chia seeds 
I just think this is hilarious because it's <laughs> always these random disgusting trends that go viral yeah. and then everyone is obsessed with chia seeds for a while but mm -hmm. um in general chia seeds are really um amazing and a really good source of healthy fats so the omega-3s especially um but they're also high in soluble fiber so there's a couple of um different types of fiber but soluble fiber basically creates like a gel-like substance when you add it to water and this is why it's gone viral because it actually works um but if you put any if you imagine drinking a gel um and it moving throughout your intestines of course it's going to pick up anything else that's in it um and make you go to the toilet so um there's definitely better ways to do it than that but that is why you might see these um what do you call it a sh uh, internal shower, shower. Internal yeah shower um <laughs> because it it forms like a a gel and it just moves through and forms the um this is going to sound disgusting but like the stickiness of your mm. um stools so that's why um it's really important to have a balance of soluble yeah. and insoluble fiber so insoluble fiber basically creates a bulk of your stool and then soluble fiber gels it all together yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then that's how you can have really nice stools so um yeah chia seeds are a great insoluble fiber you don't have to drink cups cups of it to have um really good stools or clean out your insides you just yeah. need to have um whole foods with a balance of insoluble and soluble fiber yeah and i think it's funny that it has taken off because you know you've always been able to buy things like psyllium husk and metamucil and they've always mm. been advertised as doing the same sort of thing so um yeah yeah i find it's basically a more expensive yeah husk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah but Chia seeds are great for you. So, you know, mm. incorporate them into your diet. Yeah. Is coffee bad for you as well as how much coffee is too much? Um, so they've actually done a lot of studies on coffee and they recommend about 400 milligrams is the safest, highest amount. Um, so that's equivalent to about four cups of coffee. But it's really interesting because no cup of coffee will have the same amount of caffeine. So mm. it's really hard to estimate that mm -hmm. um, unless you're having something like a no-dose where you know how much coffee you're taking. But if you just have up to um, four cups of coffee, that's really completely safe. Yeah. There's not much to it. <laughs> yeah. And like coffee, it's not bad for you. No. no. It's going to obviously impact people differently. And if you are somebody who yeah. has like, effect like side effects from it where you get like the jitters or yes. you get really anxious or something and yes it's probably not the best thing to be having every day but you know if it's not impacting you too much absolutely it's completely fine to have yeah absolutely i agree the next question is still on caffeine as well and it was how does caffeine improve your performance and from my understanding like typically it comes from the influence that it has on the central nervous system pretty much like you know it reduces your perception of feeling fatigued so mm -hmm. you can you know push further you can get gain concentration or whatever it is for your work for your workout or whatnot as well and if we're talking about like performance as well i know that um it is i think maybe one to three milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight has been proven to in your performance as well yeah yep yeah, yeah so it's pretty complicated from a central nervous system 
point of view, um, but it basically blocks from a new neuroscience level, it blocks the receptor that makes us feel um, tired or promotes mm. sleep. So naturally, if you're um, going for a 10 kilometer run, you're going to feel tired. So caffeine comes in and blocks that receptor from binding um, and makes us feel more alert. Um, it triggers our flight or fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. um, and the only impact it has on us that we know is it delays the perception of fatigue, as you said. Yeah. So it doesn't increase our muscles working or anything like that. It's mainly to do with how we perceive fatigue, which helps us to push for longer and go, um, yeah. Mm. increase our performance and yeah. um, increase our intensity and things like that definitely and your body can build up a tolerance to caffeine as well mm. so I always recommend that sometimes if you are feeling like you know you need an extra cup of coffee an extra cup of coffee an extra cup of coffee uh, to kind of like bring it back and maybe have a couple of days a couple of weeks off caffeine to then go back on it and get the full effects from it again which yeah. is really really important I'm pretty sure it also can take up to eight hours for your body to you know uh, like burn through all of the caffeine in there as well so if you are finding that it's impacting your sleep in particular I would have a look at like what is your timing of the coffee that you're having and maybe to like push it earlier to earlier in the day so that it doesn't impact your sleep as much at night time yeah in terms of um performance it does have a half-life of five hours so it could yeah. be up to 10 hours of that actually um is processed out of your body um so for influencing sports performance go for two to three milligrams per kilogram of body weight and then for endurance athletes that they can actually push it to five to mm -hmm. six milligrams per kilogram of body weight and it's recommended to take it um close to the event so um yeah. up to one hour um within the event to kind of maximize the effect of it yeah perfect the next question is all around uh organic foods and they ask are foods that are labeled organic more nutritious than foods that aren't yeah so this is really interesting mm. because um research is really um, interesting in the way that they've studied this so in terms of um, if they're more nutritious or not um, I guess pesticides could have an impact on our health but on the other side if you're generally eating more vegetables um, and things that would usually be organic or not organic you're also improving your health so the research had found um, as long as you're eating more vegetables, it's better to have those compared to getting caught up in organic or non-organic, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, don't put pressure on yourself. Like it's not the be all and end all. Like if you don't shop organic and I know organic is like the price increase from organic to not organic can be quite large sometimes. So yeah, yeah it's not necessary. You can still have a very healthy nutritious diet, mm. not eating organic yeah exactly so um cost is a barrier it's just better to eat vegetables and not eat them yeah exactly right which this kind of also leads into the next one about like frozen and fresh are fresh mm. vegetables better than frozen at the moment like the price of um fruit and veggies like i'm heading straight to the frozen section a lot of yeah. like just to stock up because they're completely fine and actually like a lot of the time Fruit and veggies are snap frozen as well, which mm. means that they're harvested and picked when they are really, really ripe, which means that they get, they haven't, you know, um, 
they've been left on the trees or whatever they're growing on longer. So they might even contain, you know, a little bit more nutrients in them, which is great. But frozen is not any worse, like it's not worse than fresh at all. Yeah, not at all. I think um, most of the time it's better. So um, vitamins and minerals are very sensitive um, and a couple are really sensitive to light and oxygen. So when you're comparing fresh to frozen, if you're snap freezing vegetables and it's locking in those nutrients, but if you have it fresh, um, some of those really sensitive minerals and uh, vitamins can actually degrade. So you're not actually getting as much um, nutrients compared to the snap frozen ones which is really interesting because um, I feel like frozen veggies are very underrated. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And they're so convenient as well. Yeah. Like yep. if you don't have time to like, you know, chop and cook chop, and all yep. of that, you just grab the frozen ones, chuck them in the microwave or in a pot of boiling water sort of thing and they're ready to go or into yeah, a pan exactly. for a stir fry. Like they're so easy. Yeah, yeah. I love adding, if you're like a texture person, I love adding them to stir fries or curries or things that they kind of, um, it, the texture doesn't really matter if you're just eating them by yourself, by themselves. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think definitely give frozen veggies a try, especially with the current cost <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, when and what should I eat around my workout? Yeah, interesting. So big question. Um, mm. Just a kind of general answer, what we were saying before, um, try to have something before so you're nice and fueled and ready to go. Um, carbs are our main energy source unless you're, unless you're doing like a big ultra run where you're using fat. Um, but most um, exercises use carbohydrates. So have like a um, simple carb before, like you said, with toast and honey, a piece mm-hmm. of fruit. Um, fruit juice anything like that before a workout up to um, 30 minutes to an hour and then during depending what um, you're doing that should be kind of specialized there's a lot of answers for that Um, and then after there used to be what we understood as a um, window of opportunity where if you didn't um, eat within those that time your muscles would wouldn't be as um stimulated or um, as big as they probably could but that's not necessarily true anymore as long as you're eating um, a meal that has a high quality protein source up to 40 grams so about 20 to 40 grams of protein um, and then complex carbohydrates and then your healthy sources of fat within about four hours after exercising that's perfect Mm -hmm. Um, when you work out it has a bigger effect um, on building muscles than food does so it it can have an effect up to 48 hours. Um, so it's really important to eat every three to four hours with a high quality protein source for 48 hours. And that's why people get really confused with if they have rest days, should they be eating the same as they would on a training day? The answer is yes, because your muscles are still repairing and building and you still need to fuel it right. 100% and the re- like the rest days on themselves are important for your to give your muscles the time to repair and then ensuring that you are eating adequately to help your body repair those muscles so you, that you get yeah. the most out of your workouts exactly yep will eating late at night make me gain weight there is no magic time that as soon as you <laughs> eat after that time you are going to suddenly gain weight and I like, and everyone has, well, from a lot of people that I've spoken to who do have this belief, like 
there's they've all been told a different time like for some people it's after 6 p.m for some people it's after 8 p.m for others they've been told like you know after 10 p.m if you eat late at night you will gain weight and it's just not the case at all and i've even had you know clients who whether they work uh like uh, night shifts or late at night and they come home and they felt like they couldn't eat because somewhere along the line they've been told that if you eat after x time you're going to get you know you're going to gain weight so um no like eating late at night if you're hungry unless you know you are overeating for the day again like that comes to that calorie deficit for you to gain weight you have to be in a surplus so you have to be eating more than what you were burning throughout the day but just eating late at night it's not going to magically make you gain any weight mm, I agree I have in my notes nope <laughs> so no um the only thing I would say is um, if you're eating like a really large meal right before you go to bed and you experience like reflux, mm. um, try eating earlier or a smaller meal. Um, but that would be my only concern with um, eating late at night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the last question we got was top tips for building a strong social media presence. Yeah, so I'm not like a marketing guru or anything, um, but I found just really consistency, mm-hmm. being authentic, finding your niche as well, um, and just being really passionate and believing what you're putting out there and um, having that, um, building that trust within your following as well, that you're putting um, truthful information out there, especially as a health professional, you would know, you would never want to um promote something just Mm. for it to go viral or um even if it's misleading so yeah just consistency um that would be my biggest tip really yeah 100 percent. just showing up you know each and every day and sometimes you know not getting so caught up on the number really helps because if you can look at it and you're like okay well at the end of the day like if i can just help one person you know whether it's like giving out a recipe it's like all right well this one recipe can just help one person to cook a healthier dinner or cook a healthier lunch or if this one fact just reaches one person helps them for the day like your goal is is done like amazing sometimes it is really easy to compare across social media as well and be like oh well i only have x but this person it seems like they're doing so much better you never actually know what's going on behind closed doors either and focus on you like tunnel vision your goals what you want to deliver what you want to put out there and yeah like you said stay consistent just keep putting stuff out there focusing on helping one person at a time and before you know it like it will start to have that ripple effect and you'll have people reaching out you'll have people connecting Mm -hmm. engaging all of that and you know even if one post doesn't do too well like it's fine you probably still would have impacted one person which is amazing or multiple other people which is great um and your next post like could be something completely different it could do um like it could reach a completely different audience or whatnot as well. And that's what I found, especially on TikTok. It is so, yeah, like I would say random, but I don't think random's the right word, but like some odd videos will just go viral and they just do. Unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. It is, it's so unpredictable. But the more you put out there, the better chance you have of reaching more people. And the only way to get better Mm. is to practice, put out there and um, by actually doing it. Like if I scroll yeah. right back to the posts that I posted when I first started, like, yeah, I cringe at them. But like, we all have to start somewhere. And yeah, I agree. You, can't, you can't grow by um, not posting. Exactly. And you don't have to get caught up in um, having the latest equipment mm-hmm. or um, 
yeah, any of that. So as long as you believe in what you're posting um, and have a genuine reason behind it, I think that's all that matters. Um, and in terms of building a strong presence and reaching as many people as you can, going across platforms, don't feel um, restraint with just Instagram. Go on TikTok, it's such a huge platform. Um, I've even heard of Pinterest, which I haven't done yet, yeah. but um, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and YouTube, uh, what YouTube, else have just YouTube bought, yeah. yeah, and they've just brought out like YouTube Shorts, so it's live yes. reels and TikToks, but on YouTube now. And because it's yeah. like new and upcoming, you know, at the moment they're like pushing people's oh. content out a lot. So great one to jump on if you're like. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Mm, yeah, and, <laughs> and like Facebook just, as well. Yeah. Facebook, that's another big one. Yeah, so just like yeah, spread it across so many because you'll reach different people on different platforms. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much. I think we we answered some, like all the questions were incredible and we um, got through all of them, which is incredible as well yeah. and gave so much insightful knowledge, which I think a lot of people will be able to walk away learning something and having an aha moment, which is really, really yeah. good. Hopefully, yeah. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today, Claire. That's all right. Thank you for having me. What another amazing episode with Claire busting some health myths, breaking down some facts and information around nutrition and health. And I really, really hope that you got something out of today's episode. If you did, please head over to my Instagram. It is KJ Wellness with three S's. I would love to hear what is one key takeaway that you got from today's episode. If you have any feedback or you have any questions about anything, also head over there and just send me through a message. I would love to hear from you. I hope you enjoy it the rest of the day or the night, wherever you are, and I will talk to you very soon. Take care. Bye.